Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Every Wednesday, we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Good Dog Pod. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Delgado, and today I'm here with Dr. Mary Beth Spitznagel. She completed her degree in clinical psychology at Ohio University, where her early research focused on caregiver burden in family members of people with dementia. I was initially interested in inviting Dr. Spitznagel to the Good Dog Pod because August is Itchy Dog Awareness Month, and we've been talking about itchy dogs all month. And Dr. Spitznagel has done some really interesting research on the difficulties that dog owners face when their dog has skin disease. Then I learned about all the other amazing projects she's a part of. I kind of took a deep dive into some of her research, and she's doing some really great projects that we're going to talk about today. Now, the other thing that's interesting to me is that after providing for her own dog with a terminal illness, Dr. Spitznagel expanded her focus to consider how caregiver burden affects pet owners and how owners' distress, in turn, affects their veterinarians. She's part of a team that developed an evidence-based program called Unburdened to reduce the transfer of owner burden to workers in veterinary medicine, which is a significant risk for stress and burnout among veterinary staff. Dr. Spitznagel currently works for the Summa Health System in Akron, Ohio, and she's a professor in the Department of Psychological Sciences at Kent State University. Dr. Spitznagel, welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Thanks for having me. So let's start by talking a little bit about caregiver burden. Can you define what this is for us and how you measure it? Yeah, absolutely. So caregiver burden, I usually like to start out just by telling people, sometimes people hear that word burden and they feel like what we're saying is that, you know, your pet is a burden or your loved one is a Mm -hmm. burden. And that's not what we're talking about. When we say the word burden, what we're talking about is kind of all the extra stuff, the challenges that a caregiver faces on a day-to-day basis which really kind of come from sort of two different areas, sort of the objective challenges that they're having, as well as the subjective kind of experiences as a caregiver. So what we're doing goes way beyond just caregiver burnout, for example. So we do look at kind of those subjective components, burnout, feeling angry, feeling frustrated, feeling maybe embarrassed by your loved one or your pet's behavior. So there's kind of that subjective component, but the objective component as well. So what we know about caregivers is that they are more likely to have health problems. We have, you know, 40 years of research looking at human caregivers that can kind of back us up on this, but people who are caregivers are more likely to experience things like impaired immune system functioning. And that's part of the burden of caregiving, more likely to experience financial concerns due to, you know, extra medical appointments, paying for medications, that sort of thing. So that financial burden is part of the burden, you know, so there's a lot that goes into that term burden. When we look at burden, when we're measuring it, what we do is basically we just ask people to kind of tell us, you know, what are your experiences? Do you feel like you have lost control over your life since you've become a caregiver? Do you feel like you don't have enough money to make ends meet? Do you feel like you're being stretched in too many directions with all these responsibilities? So those are the sorts of things that we ask people about and just get kind of an overall level of that. Great. Thank you. Now, you started off by studying caregiver burden in humans caring for other humans, I'm assuming like members of their family. Yeah. So can you just tell us a little bit about your personal experience that made you decide to pivot to looking at caregiver burden in pet owners? 
Yeah. So you're absolutely right. So I started out looking at caregiver burden in people who were providing care for a family member with dementia. Typically it's a family member. Sometimes it's a friend, but typically a family member and all the burden that they experience in that context. And that was really the research that I started with, but it was maybe, I think back in about 2015, I actually inherited a dog from a family friend that passed away. And this dog came to us with so many problems. Oh no. Actually, she didn't come with any diagnoses because that friend was ill for quite some time. And then the dog was getting sick and hadn't been getting good care herself. So we kind of had to untangle all that with our veterinarian. And basically, ultimately, she was diagnosed with transitional cell carcinoma which meant we were diapering this dog. And then she developed some canine cognitive dysfunction. So then she wasn't sleeping at night and just kind of anxious all the time. And so she kind of had a lot of problems that in combination, we were just cleaning up messes all the time, not getting any sleep because when she's anxious at night, she's keeping the whole household up. And so I realized, you know, I'm snapping at my husband and I'm being kind of just generally irritable. And I was like, what's going on here? You know, it kind of occurred to me, you know, I was like, I think I'm a burdened caregiver right now. So I actually took out one of our questionnaires on caregiver burden at that time. And I took it myself and I was just off the charts, a burdened caregiver. Oh God. You're like, yes. Tick. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I'm like, you know, maxing out every single item. Yes. All the way. 100% extreme. Right. Yeah. So it really kind of came back to that. And just as somebody who is a researcher and that's my job, I was just naturally curious. My first thought was like, maybe I am alone. Maybe it's just because this dog has just come to us and she came with all these problems that I don't have that same attachment. And so that's why I'm feeling so burdened. But then I kind of started doing a little bit of research. I actually found a Facebook group for owners of dogs that have transitional cell carcinoma, which is exceptionally supportive at the time, just to see there's all these other people who have had these dogs, the dog's entire life, and they're still experiencing burden the way that I was. And so that really made me think, you know, this is not just me. I think this is a thing. And so then I kind of turned to the literature. I was looking to see what I could find who's done research on this topic before. And what I found was that really nobody had, or it was maybe kind of touched on in a little way here and there, but nobody had really kind of pursued it. And so I thought to myself, somebody should do this study. So I did actually worked with our own veterinarian and did the first little study that we did. And that came out back in 2017. And the response from the field of veterinary medicine was just really overwhelming. They're like, oh yeah, this is what's going on with our clients coming in. So it was kind of from there, it just sort of took off and took a life of its own, essentially. That's fantastic. I think we see so much focus on the supposed health benefits of having pets, right? And they're supposed to make your life amazing and better all the time that we sometimes forget that there are stressors involved in caring for yeah. them, especially as yeah. they get older and become ill or if they've got a chronic illness. Now, what made you decide to focus specifically on skin disease? Because it seems like that's been your focus, at least recently in your research, is the dogs with itchy issues. So how did you decide that was what you wanted to focus on? So that was, in a lot of ways, kind of an issue of luck and then just experiences kind of all coming together, basically. So I did, actually, at the time, I had another dog who was diagnosed with allergies. So that was kind of my radar was on. Now, fortunately, his allergies are so well controlled with just one pill. Nice. He takes his Apoquil and he's good to go. And he's not even scratching at himself. So I knew for me, it was something that was really easily resolved. And that made me just kind of curious, you know, what happens for those people for whom it's not easily and quickly resolved. And what's interesting about allergies and skin disease in particular is that when you look at kind of the overall spectrum of 
what it sometimes takes to manage or handle the skin disease. It can be anywhere from somebody like me who's just given my dog a medication. He doesn't even struggle. You know, I just put it in his bowl and he chomps it down. He doesn't even know it's there compared to people who are bathing their dogs with those medicated baths multiple times per week. They are standing on their head, trying to get their dog to take medication and it's refusing. They are using wipes and wiping those animals feet down every single time they go in and out of the house. And, and so there's these real extremes between something that's a real basic, simple kind of solution versus people who have these multimodal kind of treatment plans. So I was kind of interested in that. So the very first study that we did, we looked at, and that was kind of part of the synergy is that there was a local veterinarian who was a dermatologist who was really interested in this topic as well. So she uh, allowed me to send a survey out to all of her clients. So that just worked out really, really well. And the very first thing that we found was that people who have a dog that has allergies but those allergies are in good control, basically have no more burden than somebody who has a dog that is healthy and doesn't have any kind of formal diagnosis at all. But it's really when they have, when they're struggling. So when the disease is not well controlled, that's one major contributor to burden, probably not a surprise. So the next study that we wanted to look at, we were looking at treatment complexity. So is there a difference between Somebody maybe like me, who's just given my dog one pill versus the people who are doing 10 things a day, right? And so what we found is that it's not just about the effectiveness of treatment. It's also the treatment complexity. So those people who were doing a lot more stuff really were experiencing a lot more burden compared to those who had a relatively simple treatment plan. And, you know, I think one of the interesting things about that is we even controlled for disease severity because you might say to yourself, well, maybe it's just that the dogs that are more severe require far more complex treatment, which is true to some extent, but both things are true is what the research found basically. So that does kind of account for some of it, that severity, but Still, even after you kind of take away or kind of statistically control for that, what ends up happening is the treatment complexity really is adding something. It's adding burden. Which makes sense. And it seems like most dogs with allergies, the treatment is lifelong, right? It's not like something that heals and then back to normal. It's something that the owner is going to have to provide care for, for the dog's life. Absolutely. Right. With skin disease, it's about that management. It's not about a cure a hundred percent. Yeah. So. In one of your papers, you mentioned that getting back to this idea of like a complicated treatment plan. So I guess what that means is like multiple modalities, like bathing or pills or possibly injections for immunotherapy. We talked about that with a dermatologist a couple of weeks ago. You said when the owner is given a complicated treatment plan, it can damage trust in their veterinarian even more than having an imperfect outcome. So can you talk a little bit about why you think owners kind of perceive the relationship with their vet as more negative when the treatment is more complicated? Do they blame the veterinarian? Like the veterinarian's making me do all this stuff or is it something else? So the research that we did, basically it found that relationship. We can only kind of guess as to why that is. But I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, if somebody feels like I'm bringing my dog to this veterinarian, this veterinarian's an expert and they're telling me to do X, Y, and Z, 
and let's say that animal is, you know, their disease is still not well controlled. That's something that then is potentially going to raise some doubt for the client, for the owner. You know, does this person really know what they're doing? Or if it doesn't raise doubt, might raise questions of, do they actually know what they're asking me to do here? Like, do they know how hard this is? So that's kind of our guess is that it may be damaging to that relationship or kind of the trust that a person has in the veterinarian for that reason. Yeah, I remember I realized I was a grown up when I recognized that doctors didn't know every single thing about every single condition, right? There are a lot of unknowns and sometimes management is probably the best outcome for a lot of these dogs. But do you have any thoughts on like how veterinarians can better support clients who are likely to experience some of this caregiver burden? So I think one of the things that we suggest is actually, number one, making sure that the veterinarian is on the same page as the owner in terms of understanding what a positive outcome actually is. Because if the client, the owner is going home thinking, okay, this medication should cure the disease for my animal. And the veterinarian is thinking, okay, we're just treating the symptoms. We're managing the symptoms. We're trying to give this dog, the animal, you know, the best quality of life that we can. Those are two very different things. And so if the owner and the veterinarian aren't on the same page about that, I think that that's something that's really important. So that communication, just making sure that, you know, the veterinarian explains this is a lifelong disease. There is no known treatment for this problem that we're working on, but we can keep your pet comfortable. We can do all sorts of things to manage the disease, but it's about that management rather than the cure. So I think that's one thing for sure. Another thing that I usually recommend, so an interesting thing that happens is we do this research looking at owners that have a sick pet. And so sometimes we're focused on skin disease. Sometimes it's another type of disease, chronic illness, or kind of a terminal type of illness. What we usually find is about half of the group tends to have high levels of caregiver burden or what we consider sort of elevated levels of caregiver burden, which means half of the group doesn't. Even though their dogs have severe disease. Even though they have the same diseases. Exactly. And so one of the first things that we want to make sure that veterinarians know is that caregiver burden is something that can happen in the context of an owner that has a sick pet, but it doesn't always happen. And so just being able to recognize the signs of it recognizing, you know, if you have a client that's coming in and they're maybe a little bit irritable, if they are getting frustrated, if they're expressing to you how difficult this is, that might be a burdened caregiver. And so to be on the lookout for that burden, but to make sure that you're not just assuming that everybody has burden just because they have a sick pet. So I think that's another thing that's important as well. Yeah. I mean, I love talking to researchers because I'm always like, have you thought about this? Are you you going to do this? And of course, when you mentioned that you've got caregivers who are experiencing very similar conditions, but have different reactions is like, what is it about those individuals that don't experience the same level of stress or burden? So like, is this about personality or just stress responses? Or is it, you know, something beyond that? But, you know, one thing I was interested in is like, can you change a person's perception of that burden? Like, can you make it easier for them? Or is it something really intrinsic about them? Like they're just more prone to anxiety or depression or something that would make it harder for them to have like a positive outlook about their dog's treatment. So I think that you're raising an excellent point here. And that really is, we've also done research where we're looking at, you know, what are the facts? factors above and beyond what the pet's illness is or the demographics of the animal that it's an elderly pet or whatever. So kind of above and beyond that, just looking at sort of what are the characteristics of the individual owner. And one of the major predictors was reactivity Mm -hmm. to the situation. Mm -hmm. So how reactive, how much of a reaction they have, you know, when that animal 
vomits on the floor and they have to clean that up. Sure. So that reactivity is a real important one, as well as self-mastery. So looking at the degree to which a person feels like they have some control in the situation, kind of like they're holding the reins a little bit. So I think those are both really important components. And what can an owner do? What can a veterinarian do? It's kind of about the team, I think. I think one of the things that a veterinarian can potentially do is just if they see that they have an owner that seems to kind of have that high level of reactivity, just making sure that that owner is aware that caregiver burden is a thing. You're not going crazy. This is actually something that people experience and a lot of people experience. So just making sure that we're kind of normalizing that is, I think, one thing. But in terms of what the client or the owner can do themselves, just trying to tap into that sense of self-mastery wherever they can, noticing those small successes that they have. So noticing if I had this cat and I was unable to pill this cat, but then I tried this one little trick, she just ate it in some whipped cream or I don't know, something like that. Yeah. So noticing those small successes and just taking a moment to kind of celebrate, kind of pat yourself on the back a little bit for that, I think is something that can contribute to anybody's sense of mastery in a situation. Fantastic advice. You are listening to The Good Dog Pod. We are talking to Dr. Spitznagel about her research with caregiver burden in owners of itchy dogs. We'll be right back. Good Dogs Breeding Foundations course provides expert advice on pedigrees, genetics, contracts, and everything else you need to set your breeding program up for success. This course usually costs $245, but you can access it for free when you join Good Dog today. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. And we're back with Dr. Spitznagel. We're talking about itchy dogs and caregiver burden. I have so many questions. It's really fascinating work. And I'm also curious if there is a sex difference in the perception of burden with, like, do you find most of your participants are women? I know that in a lot of households, women do take on maybe more than their share of caregiving. And I'm just curious if that's been something you've looked at. So we actually have not had enough of a sample. And I think the question that you raised is a really legitimate question here because yes, women are typically the caregiver in the household. Women are also more likely to engage in research. So when we yeah. send out a survey, women yeah. are more likely to take it. And so that combination really oftentimes what we end up with in our samples is something like 90% women. Yep. And we just don't even have enough men to really look in a statistically sufficient way at the difference between but, you know, I think there's a good chance that there could be sex differences or gender differences in terms of some of these things, because we know that there can be sex differences in terms of things like reactivity and sense of self-mastery and those other factors that we know kind of play a role. So I think that that's a really good hypothesis. And it's an empirical question, as I would like to say, you know, it's something that can be studied, but we haven't done it yet. Okay, great. And if you're listening and you're a guy, consider participating in some research because you'll be helping out researchers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to this idea of caregiver burden. So when I was reading your research, again, I hadn't really thought about, okay, so I completely understand when you're caring for a pet who has chronic illness, it impacts you. But I didn't really think about how it also impacts veterinarians. And so one of the things that your research has touched on is that this thing called burden transfer which is that the stress from the caregiver actually ends up impacting the veterinary workers. Can you tell us a little bit about burden transfer? 
Yeah, absolutely. So actually, I'll give you just a little bit of background and sort of what got me interested in looking at that in the first place was just kind of having an understanding, which actually I didn't know until I started doing this research, but veterinarians actually have really high rates of mental health problems, depression. You know, most healthcare professions actually have relatively high levels of some of those things, but veterinarians actually tend to be higher than most others. And so that was kind of in the background. And then I really kind of started thinking about you know, when you go to the veterinarian, there are some things that are different. So it's healthcare, but it's not the same as human healthcare for a lot of reasons. I think, you know, one of those reasons is that oftentimes in the veterinary clinic, there tends to be slightly smaller treatment teams. So you have the veterinarian, they may have a technician or an assistant, but rarely do you see kind of these large built out treatment teams, the way we have in human medicine, where there's lots of people that are kind of all working on the same problem together for that patient. And, you know, I think that may also be in part kind of a product of the fact that in veterinary medicine, very few, I think in this country, maybe two to 4% in the United States, two to 4% of owners have pet insurance. And so when you actually look at that and look at kind of what that means at the end of the day is that that owner is digging their wallet out of their pocket to hand over money. And so it's kind of like this business model that has to happen. And I think that that can cause some extra tension, some extra stress as well. So even if I go to my doctor and he suggests that I have some sort of test or some sort of medication, I'm not going to question that he means well for me and that he's doing that because my insurance is going to cover it. And I think oftentimes when somebody goes to a veterinarian in the back of the owner's mind sometimes is, well, are they just trying to get money from me? You know, you hear that a lot. And I don't actually think that that's true most of the time. I think the vast majority of the time, the veterinarian just wants what's best for your pet. But because there is that monetary exchange, I think it really kind of underlies some of these stresses and tensions. So I guess that's kind of the background to all of this. But I was interested in just looking at when we do have these owners who are coming in with kind of heightened levels of stress, heightened levels of anxiety, because they themselves are experiencing burden. How does that ultimately impact the veterinary treatment team? So what we found actually through kind of a series of studies, we basically have kind of boiled it down into sort of five categories of client behaviors or owner behaviors that they're more likely to engage in when their pet is sick and the owner is experiencing caregiver burden that then in turn are related to stress in a veterinarian and in the veterinary healthcare team. We started calling that the burden transfer dance and dance is an acronym. So the D is for daily hassles. So times when, you know, a person might be, for example, shopping around, comparing costs, saying, why does it cost more here compared to down the street? So those daily hassles, people who maybe don't understand or have poor memory and they have to kind of repeat themselves over and over. Those things that happen on a day-to-day basis and just add, they're not big stressors, but kind of the cumulative stress. The A in dance is for affect. And those are kind of those affectively laden interactions. So there's high emotion. So the owner's experiencing grief or a lot of anxiety about what's going on with their pet, talking with that owner and the waterworks just come on. So that's something that can add to stress in their day as well, just kind of taking on some of that affect or kind of emotion from the owner. The N in dance is for non-adherence or inconsiderate Mm. behaviors. So those are the times when, you know, maybe they make a recommendation that they believe this is in the best interest of the pet to have this workup or to take this medication and the owner just decides not to do it for whatever their reason is. The C is confrontations. Those are the times when owners might come in and 
blame the clinic or blame the veterinarian or other times when they might say, you know, if you don't do this for me for free, you're killing my dog. That's something I've heard that frequently that veterinarians hear on a really regular basis. And then E, excess communication. So just kind of dealing with all that overwork that can happen with having that smaller treatment team, having a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails to respond to. So that's the burden transfer dance. And what we found is that overall, the more a veterinarian encounters those experiences, the higher their own levels of stress and burnout. So it's like a vicious cycle. <laughs> Everyone's stressed out. <laughs> it is. It is. And you know, I think about it, it's a triadic relationship. You've got your veterinarian, you've got your owner, you've got your animal. And whatever's going on with any part of any angle of that triangle is going to impact the others. It's sort of a closed system in a way like that. Absolutely. Now you have two really important projects that I'd love to share with our listeners. The first is called Unburdened. So can you tell us about this program and how it works? Sure. So we're funded by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation to look at, basically it's an intervention that is really surrounding the dance factors that I just Mm -hmm. talked about. So looking at those dance interactions that veterinary staff have with clients and helping them kind of reduce their own reactivity in those situations. So helping them really, those times that come up when they might start feeling stressed out or feeling frustrated, helping them find a way to acknowledge the experience that they're having, acknowledge the feeling that they're having, but to really kind of focus on what they value in the situation, what's important to them. And oftentimes it comes back to the care of the animal and making sure the animal has the best possible care. So helping them really be able to sort of focus on those values in those difficult kind of stressful moments. And so it's basically just an educational program that we put together and are delivering in clinics. We started out just in Ohio, but we've actually moved in kind of doing this throughout the United States at this point. That's amazing. And how do people find Unburdened Online? So just exactly that is unburdened.online. Oh, perfect. Okay, <laughs> That's our <great>. website. <laughs> and you must be very busy because you also run a website at petcaregiverburden.com. Now, what will people find there? So what I do there is really more of a blog site where I try to take some of the science that we're doing in our lab and just distill it down nice. to something that's maybe a little bit more layperson friendly. So it's lots of little pieces there about caregiver burden in the pet owner, about that burden transfer that we've been talking about, but just in a slightly more of a plain language that's a little bit easier to understand than those scientific articles can be and also not behind a paywall. So it's, it's yes. free. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very nice. And you are are currently doing some research and I hear you're looking for participants and we'd love to give that a little plug. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now? Absolutely. So this study is actually, we're kind of, it's a riff on that treatment complexity idea. What we're doing is we're just looking at that concept, that idea of the degree to which the complexity of a treatment might actually be more important than the outcome. So is it okay if I don't have a perfect outcome for my animal? as long as the treatment's pretty easy to handle. It's really just kind of investigating that question. So yeah, I would love it if people want to participate. If you have an itchy dog, that's what we're looking for. You don't have to currently have an itchy dog. If you've ever had any kind of itchy dog experience, you're eligible for it. So we'd love to have people participate. Great. We're going to put a link in the show notes. We're going to be promoting the research project on our Facebook and in our newsletter. So if you are looking to participate, you will be able to find the link and get to that survey and help science 
So please participate, everyone listening, if you've had an itchy dog. <laughs> so now, Dr. Spitznagel, I do like to end on like a fun question. So I think for you, I would like to know, is there one question you have about dogs that you wish science would answer? Like what would that one question, if you could know anything about dogs, what would it be? <laughs> I don't know. We were having a discussion before about webbed feet in dogs. So that's a really, really good one. Why do dogs have webbed feet? How does that benefit them? Yeah. Oh gosh. You know what? If there is one question that I really wish science could answer, it would probably be why are dogs lives so short? And is mm-hmm. there anything we can do to keep them with us a little bit longer? That is a great question. Science, get on that. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. For those of you listening, check out unburdened.online, check out petcaregiverburden.com and look for that link to Dr. Spitznagel's research so you can participate. Thank you so much for being here at the Good Dog Pod today. Thanks for having me. 